0: Our preaching passage this morning is from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. Luke 1, 26 to 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, This is God's Word. Amen. Please be seated.
1: We come now this Christmas to a very familiar part of the Christmas story. And yet, because it is so familiar, it is easy uh, for us to miss. Its main point. And especially at this particular Christmas season, its main point is of great importance for us to grasp. You see, this gospel is written by Luke, and Luke was a medical doctor, a physician. And Luke tells us that he's writing this gospel, this account of Christian origins. It's a two-volume work, Luke, and then the book of Acts. And he tells us he's writing it so that you might know the certainty of the things you've been taught. And everything he writes fits under that purpose, including this particular familiar story. So Luke is writing this part of the story, this familiar story with the purpose that you might know the certainty of this familiar story. He's a medical man, a doctor, a physician and he wants the joy, the peace, the good news, To be grounded not in the sentimentality of the Christmas experience. But in fact. Evidence. We might even say scientific evidence. And how we need that particularly at this Christmas season. How we need to know that the truth that we sing about and read about, the good news of great joy, how we need to know that it is not merely sentimental, but factual. Something we can ground our lives upon. Something that we can base eternity upon too. And to teach us that uh, we, we are looking uh, today and then Christmas Eve on what we are to discover about Jesus this Christmas, and this morning particularly we're looking at what Mary discovered. She's discovering something, almost like a scientific enterprise. What is she discovering? Now she discovers three things, and uh, they're revealed in her interactions with the angel. She enters into the experience, the experimental encounter, the actual experience. These are three particular interactions. And the first is uh, described in verse 29. And what she's discovering here, greatly to her surprise, even to her trouble, is grace. And so uh, it says here, verse 29... But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Well, what is the saying that troubles her? That's right beforehand in verse 28. The angel says, Greetings, O favored one. Uh, The Lord is with you. Greetings, O favored one. Uh, that phrase, O favored one, means literally graced. She's a graced one or favored one. She's been graced. And uh, the emphasis on grace that she's discovering is made clear by what the angel then says in verse 30. Uh, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you had found favor or literally again grace with God. What Mary is discovering is grace. What a remarkable woman was Mary. You know, when angels turn up in the Bible, the one common factor every time is that those who see an angel are afraid. And Mary here is afraid. We're told, uh, the, the angel tells her, do not be afraid. And so we need to remove from our minds once for all that angels are kind of like fairies. Angels are spiritual messengers of God. Awesome, powerful. But Mary, and as I say, what a remarkable woman she was, as she is discovering grace, the thing that troubles her is not the physical appearance of the angel, but what he says. Verse 29, she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. She's so humble. The angel turns up and says, graced one. You found grace. And she's thinking to herself, how could this be? I I don't deserve grace. Grace. When we think of the word grace, we tend to think of it in terms of some sort of vague feeling in the air, a sort of grace, like a vapor. Or we think of it in an aesthetic term, a very gracious person. They, they walk with grace, or, or how they hold themselves, or the way they talk, very graceful. But in the Bible, grace is God's unmerited favor. She's graced. And she finds grace or favor, not in the sense that she climbed up a mountain to get there, that she earned it through her good works or what she did or the kind of person she was. She knew she didn't deserve it. She's greatly troubled at the saying. She comes from the line of David, but it's a line that has fallen on very hard times. How could she? Of all people, be graced. So she discovers it not like someone climbing up a mountain of good works to get grace, but like someone who suddenly finds that grace has found her. She's graced. And if we are to discover grace this Christmas... We'll need to begin like Mary did. Troubled at the very idea. How could it be? That I would find grace? That we could be graced? She knows she doesn't deserve it. But she discovers grace nonetheless. God graced her. But not only does she discover grace, she also then, and this is the second of these three interactions of the angel that Luke is bringing out as he tries to ground our faith in facts as a scientific man. She also discovers not only grace, but power. Power. So here's the second interaction, verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? Or uh, literally, since I do not know a man. Luke is underlining that for us. Mary knew the facts of life. Luke was a medical doctor. He knew the facts of life. How can this be since I... I'm a virgin, or since I know not a man. Of course, the answer to that is it cannot be. It is impossible. That is not how things work. A virgin birth cannot be. That is not the order of science. That is not the medical order. Those are not the facts of life. But even more remarkably, the angel tells her that it's not just that she's a virgin, but that, as he puts it, uh, verse 35, therefore the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. So this child will be God incarnate. How how can that be? Of course it cannot be. How can God the infinite become finite? It's impossible. How can God, who is omnipresent everywhere at all times, be confined to one place at one time? It's not possible. How can God who is omnipotent can do anything everywhere, always without any effort be weak, helpless, needing to be nursed and changed it's not possible. How could it be? And yet Mary discovers the power of God. It cannot be except for the power of God. The angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And uh, as he says at the end of this part of his Speaking to Mary, verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. There he's quoting from the Old Testament and uh, Sarah's interaction uh, in the Old Testament about being given a baby in her advanced old age. And Mary, being a godly woman, would have recognized that quotation and, of course, recognized that. Elizabeth, her relative, was having a baby in her old age, and nothing will be impossible with God. In other words, she discovered the power of God. How can a virgin birth happen? It cannot. Medically? How can the infinite be confined to the finite? It cannot. Philosophically, intellectually, factually, theologically? It cannot. Except for the power of God. See, we we often explain all this the wrong way around. We, We attempt to find a medical, a natural, a rational, a human way of explaining its possibility. But that's not what the angel does. It's the power of God. Nothing will be impossible with God. If you find it hard to believe in the incarnation, behind that is a wrestling with the nature of who God is. It's the power of God. Ultimately, it's a mystery. That's what Paul says, and when he writes to Timothy, he says, the mystery of godness is great. That great. He was manifest in human flesh. It's it's a mystery. It's the power of God. We cannot explain it. We cannot rationalize it. So how is a medical man, a scientific man, Luke, how how do you understand this? The natural order of things as we tend to describe it Uh, That this evening the sun will set. And tomorrow morning the sun will rise. That gravity, when you drop something from a platform, it will go down. Uh, The the, the order of uh, the laws of the universe. These are all an expression of who God is. His invisible qualities are revealed in what is visible. He upholds all things by the power of his word. Our God is a God of order. He orders the universe as an expression of his constant character, of his continual personality, order. When we breathe when we examine scientifically the world, we are reading the book of nature, which is the book written by the hand of God. It is his order that we describe. And this time, here, he did something different. Oh, no, it was planned long ago, for nothing will be impossible with God. Uh, Sarah was the, uh, the, the typological, the first, one of the, f- the primary announcers of this further fulfillment that will come, that one day the real birth will happen over and over again, right back to the book of Genesis. This had been planned in the mind of God from before the creation of the world. One day, he would do something different. And he did. And there's nothing more we can say about it than that. Of course it cannot be medically, but for the power of God. But for the plan of God. And Mary... Discovered the power of God. But there's one uh, final thing she discovered and it's the last of these three interactions that Luke records for us as he presents Mary as a sort of scientific experimenter asking questions of what's going on and responding to it and interacting with it and thinking it through. And the final thing she discovers is uh, Describe for us in these amazing words of Mary in verse 38. Uh, she puts it like this. Uh, and Mary said, this is what she says. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. So she's discovered grace. God's unmerited favor. She's troubled by the idea. How could she be graced? She discovers power. How, how could she have this child given she's a virgin? How could the incarnate God be finite given he's infinite? And she discovers the power of God. And consequently, and because of that, and as a result, and therefore, she discovers service. Service. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And so often in church circles, I'm afraid we get this the wrong way around. Because we have such zeal for morality and ethics and doing the right thing, we put pressure on one another to be servants. And we come up with rules and systems and structures that will generate, if not enforce, service in the hope that one day people might experience power and grace. But biblically, it's always the other way around. You are graced from God, unmerited favor. You experience the power of the Spirit as you, as Christ is born in you. And therefore, you become his servant. And you submit to his, his word. Well, what about us? Have we experienced grace? Let's be honest with ourselves this Christmas. Have we really experienced grace? Have we really experienced the power of the Spirit and be made new? Really, truly, let's not pretend. Have we actually experienced the power of the Spirit? And are we therefore servants of God according to his word because of all that he did for us as we are graced unmerited favor as we experience the power of the Spirit? Have we actually experienced that? Now, you may say to me, well, if the angel Gabriel turned up and talked to me, then I might also believe. But would you? Luke, in his careful analysis here, um, describes a contrast for us right beforehand. The same angel Gabriel had gone to Zechariah, and that angel received a, a different sort of welcome. And Zechariah, who was far more experienced than Mary, much older, a priest even, should have known better. But when the angel turned up, he at least initially did not believe. Would you believe if an angel turned up? Really? You say, well, I'd like to try. I think I would believe if an angel turned up. I at least like the opportunity. Yeah, as I said at the beginning, Luke is writing this uh, history of Christian origins actually in two volumes: Luke and then the Book of Acts. And in the second volume, of the Book of Acts, he tells us how the message and indeed the messengers for angels are spiritual messengers of God how the message and the messengers now continues with this good news of great joy. And what he tells us is that the announcement of the kingdom, Jesus will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom, there will be no end. That announcement of the kingdom now goes out from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth now goes out through other messengers, primarily through the church. It could well be, actually, that if you had eyes to see, you are actually surrounded by messengers, not spiritual angels appearing to you physically, perhaps but physical messages from God appearing to you spiritually. You're surrounded by them. A mother, a father, a brother, a sister, a child, a friend, sent to you by God himself. So that when you stand before the judgment seat of God, you will have no excuse and say, why didn't you send me a messenger? And he will say, but I did. And I did. And I did. Indeed, in a certain sense, you have a messenger standing before you right now. (laughs) Not a spiritual angel and physical flesh, but a physical, weak, human, sent by God with a spiritual message for you that you may be graced whatever you've done, however young or old you are, that you can receive the power of the Spirit and nothing is impossible for God in your life can be put back together again. That even you can be a servant of the Lord according to his word. And there is no higher purpose than that. Will you receive the message? Will you Ask God and plead with Him that He would grace you, pour His Spirit upon you, that you might be His servant and say, let it be according to your word. Our Lord God, we do um, pray that you would grace us this morning. We pray, Lord, that you would empower us, that your power would overshadow and fill us, that Christ would be born in us today. We pray, Lord, that uh, from those uh, gathered this morning, uh, listening online, gathered here in person, Lord, by your sovereign grace, the sovereign power of your spirit you would open eyes and soften hearts and Lord Jesus that you'll be born in us today raise up Lord would you uh, servants of, of your name who are so profoundly committed to the truth of the Bible That when they come across things, even they don't understand, they would say, let it be according to your word. Oh, Lord, work in you and us, I pray. Pour out your spirit this Christmas. So in this darkest of years, the light that shines so bright would shine in our hearts and give us confidence knowing that it is based upon solid truth and facts. A work by your Spirit to show us this, Lord, that we might experience ourselves as Mary did and discover for ourselves, as Mary did, grace, power, and service. We ask for your Spirit to that end. In Jesus' name. Amen.